This won't end well for Illinois. Here's a three. It ended well. McCourt for the win. In the air. It is up. And it is good. Fourth and 16. Pressure comes. And Matt Orbebe with the ball in the air. Makes the catch. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another quarantined edition of Oski Talk. My name is Anthony Pasquale with Patrick Catazone, and we've got a lot to tackle on this episode, and we want to start with a brand-new recruit for the football team. Yeah, Yolanda picked up another member of the class of 2021. It's Prince Green, the corner um, from Griffin, Georgia. So another uh, another Georgia guy. Yolanda, I've been trying to, I think, expand more into Georgia as a recruiting base. Um, but the big deal for me in this is that it's a, it's a corner slash wide receiver. He, I think he plays both ways, but um, I think you'll see Green play more corner primarily just because of the need for cornerback depth right now. Yeah, he's a three-star, so he's obviously got some talent, but it's not somebody that a lot of people had their eyes on because, you know, he's not a four- or five-star. But, you know, throw him into Lovey Smith's defense and mix that with – some of the already young and talented secondary that this team has and it looks like they're going to be a, a pretty good pass defending defense in the upcoming seasons oh yeah for sure they will and and you think Marquez Beeson coming back right this, this year is going to be a big deal but I think moving forward you know Marquez and, and Green will be in the same class and you have two primarily primary corners for that cr- class and and you could move on recruiting and and think more towards um you know, guys who could back that up in, in the next class. So just getting a corner in this class was extremely important. Um, hopefully they found their guy. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to add another corner. Right. Um, I was thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I I think it's also, you know, they, they've done really well in the transfer market and they haven't really gotten deep into the recruiting yet for 2021 and 2022. So another name for 2021, that's good. Um, excited to see what uh, what he can do for the Illini. Prince Green is his name. I don't know if we mentioned that yet, but um, I think he's going to be a, a good, probably number two corner because, like we said, Marquez is going to be on that other side. But, you know, they they have a pretty strong secondary from last year, and, and moving forward, just continuing to build on that is good for Illinois. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when you think uh, about this upcoming class for 2021, I think there's a couple more uh, things they need to hit on. They need offensive linemen. Yeah, a lot of the offensive linemen are old. Right. Um, They're starting to get – they're all upperclassmen, I believe. Um, Mm -hmm. So you're going to need to start replacing those guys. Um, Defensive line on the other end as well starting to look a little bit um, weak, but I I know Lovey likes to go to the transfer market for some of those guys um, because he'll have already built guys and he could develop guys who are already built, but maybe guys who are a little bit smaller, undersized coming from high school, I think he struggles a little bit with. Um, but I'll add a linebacker to this, um, some offensive linemen, um, maybe a couple of skill positions as well. I think uh, this class could come together really nicely, but this was a absolute must to have, and I'm glad they got it early. Yeah, we've we've touched on it. The, uh, the wide receivers look pretty good, and they're obviously set at quarterback for the next couple of years, But um, and there's a ton of depth in that backfield. But defensively, you know, they really needed to bolster up that secondary and probably add a little bit to the linebacking core. 
and then an offensive line, obviously one of the best in the country right now, but as those guys graduate, move on to the NFL, whatever the case may be, they're going to need to fill in some of those big guys up front on either side of the field. So um, definitely a good start, but still some work to do. Yeah, and the rumor is that Lovey doesn't like to have guys commit without them having an, an on-campus visit. Yeah. And obviously that is increasingly harder right, now that right. we are we are in quarantine. So that's why I think a big portion of this part of recruiting has been so slow. But, you know, if you are Lovey and the staff, you kind of got to get over that at this point because, at the you know, if guys can't get on campus, they're going to might as well recruit somewhere else if you don't feel comfort them, comfortable with them committing to Illinois. So, yeah. And we'll you don't see. want to lose out on the next big guy just because you can't show him the campus and then he goes to Michigan and lights you up for four years. That's not what you want. So hopefully they can kind of – I don't know if, if that's like a the, like a policy thing or an ego thing, but hopefully they can get over that and, and start adding some more to that recruiting class. But moving right along, a big um, step for college athletes came over the course of the last week, and that is the fact that they can now be compensated – for the use of their name, image, and likeness. Obviously still not making any type of contracts um, for these college players, but just getting them paid in some way or another is a big step in what I believe is the right direction. Yeah, this is going to be, while I do agree it is going to be a great step in the right direction, it's going to get really messy soon. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there's probably going to be a need for a union maybe for the players. Um, And, you know... That's kind of, I feel like, will be a big argument if there needs to be a players union because some guys are going to get paid way more than others, and, and it's going to be really weird to see how that works. I think a big problem with that um, that comes with that is the idea of having the video game, an NCAA video game would mean everyone would probably get equally paid, which would force the uh, a potential union or, or agreement for everyone, um, every player in the NCAA Division One, to come to an agreement together and... and and, and broker deal with NCAA and that's going to get really messy but um it seems like right now that isn't even going to happen uh which is a little bit of a bummer because that was a big part of something I was yeah. looking forward to Same I still here. play NCAA 14 probably three <laughs> or four times a month so it, it is a real bummer and um but it, it is a good step forward yeah for me a big thing is you know like you said some guys are going to make more than others but for me, I think some guys deserve to make more than others. Like, you, you can't tell me Io shouldn't be making more money than Tyler Underwood because Io's the guy you're putting on posters. Io's the guy you're putting on billboards in the Chicagoland area. Io's the guy selling tickets. So he's the guy that should be making, um, getting reward for some of that when his face and his, his profile are used on all these different billboards. I remember last year I talked to Trent about it, and he was like, I don't necessarily think we should be making um, money based on like how well we play, but I do think we should be making money if our if our jerseys are being sold or if my face is showing up on a billboard. And I think that's a good point, and that's kind of what this deal is set to do. And the other flip side of that is I talked to Jacob Campbell, catcher for the baseball team, about this last year too, and he said, I've never really thought about getting paid for what I do. I don't really think... Um, based on what we do for the school, we deserve to get paid. But you look at a guy like Zion when he was lighting it up at Duke at the time when I talked to him about this, he said that's a guy that should be making money because the type of marketing and basically free advertising he's giving to the entire sport, that's what deserves the pay. So I think this is all a step in that right direction. 
Um, but like you said, it could definitely get messy and maybe a union or, or some type of uh, deal needs to be made to sort all this out in the upcoming future. Yeah, and, and the pressure's on to the NCAA to figure this out quickly because, um, you know, guys like Jalen Green, and I, that's the name you're going to hear a lot about in the, in the upcoming weeks and probably already have in, in a lot lately, um, is them being able to enter the G League right away right. Um, and make money. So the pressure's on the NCAA to figure out a way to combat that, and the obvious way to do that is to pay players. And I think this is the only option for them to pay players and the best option for them to play players. Yeah, I agree. And I don't remember who said it. It it might have been Jay Billis. It might have been uh, um, – I, I can't remember who was that said it, but somebody that said this announcement that these amateur players can go straight to the G League on that plan that gets them paid and everything, that the NCAA should be terrified. And I think this is a move that they're acting out of almost fear that they're going to lose a lot of business if all these – high marketable, high talented athletes are skipping over their league altogether. So offering those players, um, aside obviously from a degree or an education, some type of compensation um, is a good way to lure players back into the NCAA and a good business move for them moving forward as well as a good personal move for the athletes, I think. Mm-hmm. And and the thing about that too, it, it's a great point, but you know, without those big players like Zion, obviously would have went straight to the league if that was a possibility. Um, obviously Jalen Green is then you miss out on other guys um, if I could think of a couple of Illini that weren't at that talent level but were amazing Illini Malcolm Hill D Brown um, two guys who you know D Brown obviously got drafted played in the NBA but wasn't Zion right he wasn't the big time number one top 20 player he was right you know, guy from Proviso East, absolutely stellar player, and, and we loved watching him. So there's still going to be the guys that you love watching college basketball, and it'll probably even out the landscape a little bit more. But there will always be, you know, regardless of how it all shakes out in, in the next year, two, five years, ten years, um, I think college basketball will always still be able to put out a pretty good pot product. Yeah, I do too, and I think one of the biggest knocks on college basketball has been, you know, more geared not towards the Illinois of the world, but to the Dukes and to the Kentuckys and to the Kansas and North Carolinas, the one and duns that you don't you don't breed four year players. Well, if all these one and duns are going straight to the league, you're gonna have to really see what kind of program those teams can build. And like you said, you won't see the same teams at the top every year. It'll be a much more uh, What's the word I'm looking for? There'll be much more parity in the NCAA, which I think is a good thing for a team like Illinois. So I guess we'll see how this uh, landscape of the NCAA lays out over the next five, ten years. But obviously some changes are coming, and I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. And moving right along here on Oski Talk, Pat got a chance to interview former Illini Mike LaTulip, and we'll send you guys right to that interview now. On this week's episode of Oski Talk, we have former Illini guard Mike Latulip on. Mike, thanks for joining us. I appreciate you guys having me on. First off, we just want to know, how are you doing during these um, strange and uncertain times? It's a little unique. Obviously, I think everybody has their has their way of, of getting through it and, and making do. And uh, Luckily, my job was already remote, so nothing really changed on that end. But I know a lot of people that were uprooted from their office life, you know, going into, into the remote, you know, workforce, it's, it's been an adjustment and I think it's been an adjustment for everybody. So just trying to make do, I think the biggest, the biggest thing for 
for me is the fact that there's no sports on, but, um, you know, we're, uh, like I said, we're, we're trying to make do over here and, and, uh, you know, hopefully we're moving in the right direction for things to start opening back up. Mm-hmm. Have you found some time to shoot around or uh, play some other sports too? Yeah. Yeah. So when I'm at, when I'm at home, you know, my, my fiance and I live in Austin, but, uh, right when this quarantine thing hit, we drove up to Nashville, um, just to be around family. And so my brothers, me and my brothers were, you know, Tennessee's actually been, hasn't been hit too hard. So we've been able to get out and, you know, I think you would think that us brothers would shoot baskets all the time, but we actually throw the football probably the most. And, um, but we have been, been shooting around and been playing a lot of tennis actually, um, which is not typically my cup of tea, but, um, but we're having fun with it. It's a, it's been fun, obviously playing a lot of golf and, um, so that's been, I guess, how I'm getting my, my sports fix in, so to speak. Nice. I'm glad to hear that you're doing well. Um, if we're going to get right into the, uh, TB tournament talk too, yeah. how did it kind of start? Were you approached or did you pro- approach the tournament about making an Illini team? Yeah. So this had been something that, that, you know, had been, you know, from various group chats, you know, I, I had one right out of college with, with Nana and Malcolm and, um, you know, another one with, with Cam Liss and Mike Finke and, and Mav and, and all these guys. And, and I think the biggest thing that, that, that I've been talking about over the years is, man, we just have a ton of talent that's come out of Champagne over the years, professional talent. And, you know, it may not be necessarily having 10 guys in the NBA, but we have a lot of high-level um, professional basketball players. And um, so I remember talking to Nana and Malcolm about it initially about three, four years ago. I was like, why the heck don't we have a team, man? Um, so just trying to figure out ways to go about that and who to get in contact with. And by the time, you know, Cam Listen uh, and Mike Finke in our group chat, we were talking about it. Somebody had actually reached out to Finke and was kind of like, hey, who can who can point, the, point us, like basically point us in the right direction of somebody that can that can put this together. And, um, you know, in my, my work schedule, working remote, like a lot of that stuff lends itself to being able to, to handle all this stuff logistically and, and, um, you know, the, the group effort of, you know, a bunch of different guys, you know, we're, we're trying to put together this team and, and, uh, and I think too, once you, once you get a few core guys to the team, the team kind of starts to recruit itself. Um, you know, you have the, you have the players themselves that are reaching out to other guys and, and trying to get other guys to play. And I think that's the, that's the best way to go about it instead of just having, you know, one or two guys, you know, reach out individually to everybody. So, but we're extremely excited, man. I mean, I think uh, the pieces of the puzzle are, are finally coming together to, to make this happen. So um, we're ecstatic. It's it's funny you mentioned kind of, you know, all, all that talent we had because we, we actually interviewed LeBron Black probably three three months ago, and he always said that the, the biggest problem with the John Gross era was just injuries, that the talent was all there to be contenders almost every year. Did you kind of feel that? Yeah. Well, I think you look at – I think his 10 years a lot different if, you know, you got to think – 2013, 20, 2012, 2013, obviously we, um, you know, we beat Colorado in the first round of the tournament and then we are uh, BS calling from, from going to the sweet 16. But, uh, but yeah, I think that 2013, 2014 season in general, I mean, you beat Indiana in the opening round of the big 10 tournament. And really if we beat Michigan in that game, um, the, the miss Tracy Abrams floater at the end, if we, I mean, if he puts that in, you know, you're looking at not taking out the number one seed in the tournament and then you know we move on and uh, to I believe the the quarters of um, you know of the Big Ten tournament and that that's a big deal and that's I think we punch our ticket. Tracy makes that shot 
that's a shot that we've seen Tracy make a thousand times in practice and he knows it too. I think it was, so that's, and we kind of knew it too. You know, it was, that was going to be the one that was going to push us past the bubble, I think. And, and even in 2014, 2015, uh, you know, I think we needed that win on the road at Purdue and you go up 15 to 15 to two early in the game. And uh, that's, that's, that's Mackey arena though. That's, I was glad to see those guys get the win this year, but that's a tough place to, it's a tough place to get a win. So, you know, ultimately, you know, you move on to 15, 16 and, and, that was probably arguably the most talent that we had had um, aside from maybe the 2012, 2013 team, those 13, 14, 14, 15, 15, 16, we probably had the most talent that year. And you saw it all come together for one game, um, which sucked. I mean, it's, you have early injuries and, you know, to Jalen Tate breaks his, his basically his pinky goes through his hand in our first game, you know, Kendrick got hurt on kind of a freak accident in practice um just like took a knee to the chest when nana was going up to block his shots and he was out with like a couple broken ribs he hurt his thumb um and then by the time we had everybody healthy it was down in florida for the uab game and man like we and uab was a good team they were coming off beating iowa state in the tournament the year before and um you know and we ended up beating them pretty handily by 15 by you know 15 to 20 and we got back in the locker room we're like this is the team that we have and this is you know if we all stay healthy this is this can be a big deal and sure enough we played the number four team in the country the next the next uh day play iowa state and mike thorne gets hurt um at the end of the first half so and we really had about a, a about let's see three halves of, of that team fully full strength and keep in mind with Laurent too Laurent had a torn meniscus set out the first few games i mean it was just it never felt like we were all, um, you know, healthy. And I think if we were, you know, that, that, that season could have been a lot different. And I think, you know, I think John Gross's tenure would be a lot different. But but like I said, I mean, I think Illinois basketball is in good hands now. And I think John Gross is, is doing a hell of a job at Akron too. So I think it worked out best for, for both parties. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned plenty of guys there um, who are going to be on this TBT team. Are you kind of in charge of just choosing guys on this team, or how has the kind of selection process gone? Yeah, I think what makes it relatively easy is, you know, you already have a rapport with these guys and being their teammates, and the TBT speaks for itself in that regard to where, you know, you don't have to twist somebody's arm too much to uh, say, hey, here's a chance for, for this team to win $2 million, and uh, you're coming back, you're playing with your old teammates. Um, you know, so that's that's an awesome opportunity in itself. And I think from, from a recruiting standpoint, you just try to exhaust, you know, all options at times, you know, and, and making sure that, that it's a good fit for, for the guy as well. And that it's a good fit for the team because, you know, ultimately it's not about, Hey, let's go get the most the nine most talented guys we can find, roll the ball out and see if we can win this thing. I mean, we truly need to construct this thing to where we have pieces. And I think admittedly things look a lot different, now than they did maybe on the recruiting front say you know a few months back because you know and what i mean by that is you know i'm not sure guys like malcolm hill or Avante rice even play if there's if there wasn't so much up in the air with with overseas and overseas teams and the nba summer league and training camp because for these guys just because they've gone overseas you saw with brandon paul uh taking the overseas route to get back into the nba i mean that's still the dream for a lot of these guys that's still the goal so um you know keeping in mind that you know, if NBA Summer League opened up uh, on that same weekend, like if they push it back to that same weekend or training camps or, uh, or they move it up or if anything's move, if any of those move around to where it conflicts with TBT, like 
I've told those guys and a lot of us, you know, Mike Finke and, and Cam Liss and all these guys who have like kind of had a hand um, in touching base with these guys, uh, you know, making sure that, hey, you know, if you have obligations that come up and it's it's the NBA Summer League or it's a training camp, go. Like it's, this, this stuff is secondary, obviously, to these guys, um, you know, hopes and dreams. But at the same time, you know, they do realize the opportunity to um, to get the exposure uh, you know, this is, this is being aired on ESPN. And, and I think for a lot of those guys, they haven't had that type of exposure since, since being, uh, in an Illini Jersey. So, uh, that's the, that's the biggest thing I think they see in it. And, and part of it too, like, we don't want to be selfish from a coaching staff perspective and be like, Hey, I don't care what your, uh, your end goal is like, come play for us, come play for us. Um, we truly want things to align for them. And, and it's kind of a no pressure approach, um, but like I said, it, it doesn't take much for these guys to see to see how great of an opportunity it is. Mm-hmm, absolutely, and and I think that speaks definitely to the alumni connections that Illini basketball has has created. Yeah, I think it, the the biggest thing, uh, you know, all of us all of us have remained in contact since we were, um, you know, since we ended our time as teammates. Like you know, a lot of these guys we you know we we chat with throughout the throughout the year. I actually I reached out to guys. Shoot, it was last July. Um, so before I'd even talked to anybody about TVT, you know, I was texting guys individually um, and, and kind of just gauging their interests. Like, hey, what would it look like if we put together a team? You know, would you play? Um, just so that I can have an idea. Because what, what people don't realize about the TVT is this thing is planned so far in advance. Like, mm-hmm. so far. I mean, this is, uh, you know, we were talking roster spots and, and logistics, um back in September. Um, so a while back, I mean, shoot, that's about eight months ago now. Um, so you try, you try to piece things together cause you realize, you know, the biggest thing we want from, from these guys is to just have a heck of an experience. Um, you know, and, 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 and we want guys that, that are coming back year after year. And I think the way that we do that is to make sure that, you know, this thing runs like a well-oiled machine from the onset. Um, we don't want to have the excuse of it's our first year, you know, if, if so maybe attention to detail is not there. Like that's just not, that's just, that just can't be an excuse. Um, so finding, especially now, especially the way things are now, you know, you, you need to find ways to, to make it work. Um, you know, and, and that means attention to detail on logistics. And, um, that means making sure that these guys safety at the forefront and, and, uh, you know, whether it's meals, transportation, you know, everything so that, that these guys just have to worry about playing their asses off and, and enjoying the time that they're spending, uh, you know, with their, with their old teammates and old, and old friends. And, um, but it also means, you know, having a staff that, that gels with these guys and, and treats the process with respect to, and, and understands it. I mean, it's not, I may be the one that's talking to you guys right now, disseminating the information, but it's not about me or anybody else that's running it. It's about, you know, these guys. And, and that's why I'm hopeful, you know, if we get out there in July, um, you know, I'm really, really excited for these guys to, to take the court and, and play together. Yeah, absolutely. Have you, since kind of the roster announcements, have you had more guys kind of come forward and ask like, Hey, like, do you have a spot? Is that kind of happening? Or guys who say, Hey, I want to play with Malcolm Hill. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, it's a mixed bag, right? Cause I think a lot of, we did a lot of our due diligence on the front end. Um, you know, making sure that we're trying to pin down these roster spots, you know, months and months and months in advance. So for the most part, the roster is is pretty much set. Um, you know, and, and for guys that, you know, maybe coming out of the woodwork, um, 
amazingly, it's not necessarily the players coming out of the woodwork. It's a lot of other people coming out of the woodwork that that want to have a part of it, and rightfully so. Um, you know, it's a, it's a really, really um, unique experience and, and something that, uh, you know, we're hoping to have here for, for years and years to come, and it'll be something that even for Illini fans, um, it's, it's, at, it's at that weird part of the summer, right? You know, where all yeah. you have is the MLB, summer league's over, the draft's over, uh, next thing on you know on tap for for basketball is just is just a uh, you know NBA training camp. So uh, so we're we're happy that we can kind of fill that void for for Illini fans kind of on the, leading up to leading up to football season here. Absolutely, um, I know you might not be able to do this, but can you give us maybe a hint of a guy who might be coming up uh, next on the uh, announcements? Yeah, so you know I, I think what what we've seen a lot on social media. Um, you know, as people start to see that this has a lot of 2013, 2014, 2015 flavor. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, that I don't really know what other way it would be because, you know, when you look at the professionals that we have overseas right now, there are some, there are some other guys that are, you know, from the late two thousands and um, even mid two thousands, um, you know, that we've, we've been in talks with and, and, uh, you know, may or may not be on the roster. So, uh, so yeah, I think what you can expect is, you know, we're, we're not done pumping out 2014-ish guys. Uh, so I will say that. Um, shoot, it may even be a, a guy that's that's come on your guys' show previously. So um, so that may be a hint there. But, but, yeah, you know, I think what we wanted to do with these roster announcements was make sure that we break them up you know, and make them a weekly thing because I think even even during the times right now, uh, people want something to look forward to every week. There's just not a lot on, and I think it's, it could be a cool thing for Illini fans instead of announcing it all. I think the first announcement was you know April 15th or whatever it was, um, and I think what we wanted to do was hey, let's spread this out a little bit so that so that people have that to look forward to every week. Because if you unload the roster April 15th, you know then what? I mean, you're still about three months out. Um, you know, so we want to make sure to, to, to not only spread it out, but make sure that these guys, you know, each get their due. I know, you know, Jeremy Warner has been fantastic with um, getting these guys on radio each time that, you know, Derek Piper and John Delante show, like all those guys, um, you know, kind of having their week, you know, to, to chat with those guys. And, and uh, I think it's pretty cool because you kind of get a, a where are they now type situation. Um, and it's even more uh information to to dissect because of these guys coming from overseas and with with the coronavirus and whatnot so uh you know i've been glad to to see these guys kind of back in the news cycle because because they deserve it they've had some great professional careers and they will continue to have great professional careers so um you know the uh you know the attention those guys are getting is, is obviously well deserved and uh, I, hope, I hope you don't mind. We're going to pivot a little bit now to talking about you. Um, sure. What is some of your favorite Illini memories? Man, um, I think when you go back to, to my freshman year, and I say this all the time, so I think anyone that is hearing this for not the first time, I mean, I think I've said it ad nauseum. It's, I was really spoiled my freshman year, man. Uh, I think on top of, from an individual perspective, I mean, having the opportunity to, I mean, John Gross entrusted me uh, at 100. I came in, for the people who don't know this, I mean, I came into Illinois at 149 pounds. Um, you know, and, and I think during the season, I, I think I got up to, because all you have is that one summer, your freshman year, so I got up to, 
think 155, but but Gross was playing me, like legitimately playing me in, in games and in Big Ten games that weren't obviously out of hand. Um, and, and I appreciate that for sure about, about my freshman year, but in terms of the team, obviously, uh, man, like nothing beats winning the Maui. Nothing beats the Maui tournament in general besides the NCAA tournament. I think having that all in one year, you know, going on the road, beating Gonzaga, um, Tyler Griffey's shot against Gardner-Webb, DJ Richardson's shot at Hawaii, um, Brandon Paul's in the Big Ten tournament against Minnesota. Uh, like I said, beating Gonzaga on the road. Um, not only beating them, but beating them by double digits, which a lot of the media pundits didn't have us winning that game or really even coming close to winning that game. So um, that was kind of an FU to them, uh, which, which was pretty cool at the time. And and then getting the NCAA tournament, you know, the, and that's why, you know, I feel for those guys this year. I think they were shooing um, to dance and, and, you know, going up into the Colonnades Club and hearing hearing your name get called. And, and uh, funny story, actually, and this is something that I actually – had for my own podcast coming out next week, but uh, screw it. I'll tell, I'll tell you guys on here, but I actually knew where we were going before the selection show because Tyler Griffey just told me as we were walking in. Um, so we're literally walking into the Colonnades Club and Tyler just like looks over me. He's like, yeah, man, we're, uh, we're a seven seed going to Austin playing Colorado. I'm like, what? I'm like, why are you telling me this? And then, <laughs> you know, I ended up telling Nana because Nana was right next to me. It was kind of like, what's all the fuss about? So I ruined it for Nana. Tyler ruined it for me. But we didn't, we kept it just between us. And by the time it was announced, I remember like I think if you go back and look at the announcement, and when we're all sitting there, like I look over at Tyler and I'm like, "Yeah, you're right, man." Um, but going to play there and and uh, especially at the full circle, like I'm living in Austin now. Um, so being able to go down there and play and and win in the NCAA tournament uh, and extend our trip and play against a really good Miami team. Um, obviously had a ton of talent. The EuroLeague MVP is on that team. And, um, a lot of other high, high, uh, high caliber pros. And um, even the first opening round game, and we played two NBA players, and Spencer Dinwiddie and Andre Roberson, and kept them both in check. Um, but yeah, I mean, my freshman year, it was, it was a lot of that. Uh, but even, even the years after that, I mean, we had some great moments winning the, the tournament out in Vegas. Uh, my junior year being Baylor, you know, who had a ton of NBA talent on a team, I think three NBA players on a team and an NFL player. Um, but yeah, uh, sophomore year, kind of same thing. Um, but right there, kind of one win away from going to the tournament. NIT is, NIT kind of sucks to be honest, just because yeah. when you come, when you, so if you're like a mid-major team and you go play in the NIT, it's pretty sweet. But when you, when your bubble bursts and then you drop into the NIT, it's it's a it's really tough, you know. I think even I feel for the coaches. It's just tough to get your team up for that, mm-hmm. um, you know. And I think we experienced that. We won at Boston my sophomore year, and then my junior year, or and then we ended up going to play Clemson because both years we were the higher seed, but the State Farm Center was getting renovated, so we were on the road. But um, but yeah, so my junior year, um, there was such a demoralizing loss to Michigan in the in the Big Ten tournament just because they were so depleted. Um, should have been a win for us. And then we go play the number one seed, Wisconsin. Just seems like we couldn't avoid that eight, nine game for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we drop and go play to go play Alabama who had just fired their coach two days prior. So they had, they just were playing with house money and um, came out there and played like it and, and, and beat us up pretty good. So, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I had a lot of great memories from, from Illinois and, and uh, you know, I'm glad to see those guys doing well this year. Plenty of, 
you know, plenty, plenty of memories those guys made, uh, you know, for this 2019-2020 season as well. And um, I know you're from Arlington Heights, and when you chose Illinois, was it kind of a, a no-brainer for you? I, I know you've, you've cited a couple times as D. Brown being one of your favorite players growing up. So was choosing Illinois and John Gross just a no-brainer for you? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think the, the way my recruiting process worked was, was pretty unique. So, you know, I, I was very, and I think anyone that's listened to, to my podcast, I've, I've, I've talked about it, but... Um, and it's funny to to admit this stuff now because at the time I probably wouldn't have told told anybody this because I was just you know I had I just had an ego about me and and I think you know it's it's one thing to have I think I had a ton a ton of confidence in myself and um but I think that spilled over into to ultimately having somewhat of an ego so when these mid major when these mid major schools came knocking and, and were offering and um you know the you know South Coast states of the world Toledo I mean um. And there were a lot of different schools out there that that came on board, and and I think what happened was I was correlating what I was doing on the court in AAU to what level I should play at. So you know we we go and play. So Darius Paul was my teammate actually. Um, so I've known Brandon for for a while even before that, but um, but we go and we play this this team out of California that had six you know high major Division one players, and you know you walk out of that game with. I think I finished that game with like 42 points. Like everybody in the crowd or every coach you could think of was in the stands for that game. Um, so I remember walking off the court thinking like, Oh, like the offers are going to like the high major offers or interest is going to come pouring in. And, um, you know, I ended up after that tournament, I got four calls. One was South Coast state called and offered me, um, Toledo wanted me to come visit. St. Mary's wanted me to come visit. And then Boston College wanted me to come visit. So um, I went out. My first scheduled visit was out to Boston College. And I went out there. Um, they wanted me to do a whole, you know, recruiting visit and elite camp as well. So I went out there, played, and, and they basically let us know ahead of time. So so Michael Orris, if you guys remember, was committed to Illinois. He and I actually visited Boston College together. Not together, like long backstory with with Michael Orris but him and I used to be really good friends in middle school had somewhat of a falling out and then we ended up being on the same plane going out to Boston College so we're on the same visit together and basically what they said at the end of that you know before that visit is like we got one scholarship and you know we'll see who gets it between him and I and he ended up getting the scholarship offer and coach Donahue pulls me into his office and is like yeah, we don't even want you here as a preferred walk-on. And you know, I remember him telling me this at the time. He's like, you're too competitive. And he said that. I remember like, thinking, like what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean too competitive? I always thought like being super competitive is a great thing, but um, it can be a detriment for some guys when you don't understand. Um, you know, when you kind of have this me against the world mentality, like it can blow up in your face at times. And I think that happened, you know, at Illinois for me a few times where I put a lot of pressure on myself. So when I made the decision to go to Illinois, um, Jay Price called me because um, this is Bruce Weber's staff. So mm-hmm. he called me and they're like, hey, we want you to come down on a visit. I'm like, all right, cool. I remember going down on a visit. Um, and I'm playing open gym with those guys. So the 11-12 team, so Myers and, and uh, you know, Brandon Paul and actually like Sam Maniscalco, like those guys. I remember playing playing well in open gym but and well enough to say, oh, I can play here, you know, and – so that's when I made my decision. You know, I came back on a separate visit and committed to Weber. And um, 
I just remember, you know, thinking like, you know, oh, if I can play against them in open gym, then I'll have no problem getting on the floor when I get there. And it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. And, you know, when, when Weber got fired, I kind of tried to reassess my situation, but, um, you know, so there were other schools that were in the mix. You know, I thought about decommitting from Illinois and going elsewhere, but uh, John Gross and his vision for the program and um, just kind of how he discussed things with me uh, was was awesome. And, 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 you know, John Gross would get you, you know, <laughs> that's why he was so great with those. That's why we were in the top two, top three with a lot of those high-profile recruits. Like, I don't know if they would have actually ended up picking Illinois, but he put so much effort into the recruiting process that – these guys, by the end of it, were like, I can't not put Illinois in there. Um, you know, John Gross is every one of my games. You know, he calls. You know, he's he's invested. And I think that's what I saw. Obviously, not to the degree of a Jalen Brunson or Quentin Snyder or any of those guys. But um, but he made me feel that way as well. Like, hey, you know, you'll get an opportunity. And he did. I mean, he backed up his words. I mean, I, play, I played. Um, I got some, some solid minutes. Like, for 5'11", 6 foot, 155 pounds limited athleticism some quickness like a lot of those guys don't get to play their freshman year and, and gross you know for an ncaa tournament team was was putting me in there at times and um you know that stuff was pretty cool and and, and i think you know my decision to go to illinois a lot of it just had to do with i just like wanted to prove myself at that level but i think once you get there you don't realize there's there's a lot more hurdles than just you know going out there and, and proving yourself so but I, I enjoyed my time at illinois um I always, I always loved my time at Wright State, too, because it gave me the opportunity to kind of actually, you know, get on the floor and start and play 30 minutes a game. And, and there's really no replacement for that type of stuff. Absolutely. What were kind of some of those hurdles that you went through when once you arrived at U of I? Yeah, I mean, I think you just when you're in high school, you don't realize how much length and athleticism matters. You know, like your, your whole thing is, man, if I can go out there, like I can shoot it better than these guys. And um you know, I'm, uh, maybe I'm smart on the offensive end, you know, or, or I, I bust my ass in the defensive end and I'm taking charge and do all stuff. But, like, length and athleticism, just it just matters. Like, if, if I'm a guy who's sitting here with a 6'1 wingspan and you have the chance to put somebody out there who's pretty good offensively but has, you know, a 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", wingspan and has the length and, you know, can move a little bit better on defense, like, that, that holds a ton of weight. And I think – I struggled a lot with that my freshman sophomore year, just kind of coming to grips with that. You know, like when you're the guy that's undersized, you better be doing everything right. Like everything has to go right um, for you to get out there. And I think I shot myself in the foot a lot with with my attitude, and um, and I was in the wrong a lot. And I think, and I don't think like many Illinois fans would know that just because you know, game, the game would happen and I'd just be sitting there. Like, no one sees, like, into practice and stuff. But but I was a handful my freshman year, like, trying to come to grips with, you know, the other issue, I think, too, was, um, you know, when I was the only freshman. So it was just, I, you know, I kind of had this, like, me-against-the-world mentality. And, that, and if you don't play your cards right, that stuff can really blow up in your face, like I mentioned it. And, um, you know, I think, too, you know, I came there and the ultimate goal was to earn a scholarship. And what what I didn't understand, like you're 18, 19 years old, like you just don't get these things. But we had a scholarship open for a midseason transfer. So my freshman year, you know, I'm staring at that scholarship thinking that if I play well enough, I will get it. And that wasn't the case. Like it was always going to stay there for the midseason transfer. And I think I would just I would just been at peace if I just, you know, 
told myself that. I was like, hey, man, just, just don't worry about that stuff. That stuff will come. Like, you shouldn't show up to the practice gym, you know, gunning for the scholarship. Because what happened, I was just such a roller coaster. Because it's like the second I turned the ball over, I thought I lost the scholarship. The second I hit, scored three straight times in a drill, I thought I got the scholarship. No, I mean, you can't just – you can't operate like that. Like, everything has to – to come back, you know, has to, everything has to be a byproduct of the work and the, and trusting the whole process. Um, and I know that sounds cliche, but, but, um, that's what, when I ended up getting the scholarship, you know, that's kind of what it was. Like, I just forgot about it. Like I forgot about the scholarship. I was just like, well, I'm just going to bust my tail in practice, be the best teammate I can be and show those, those types of things come back around. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I think they're, they're just, a, I think there were more hurdles and more obstacles than I had envisioned. And granted, I was 18 years old, so you don't you don't have that type of foresight. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if I always say, you know, I don't regret my time in Illinois, but whatsoever. But I think if I had a time machine and went back, you know, I probably would have just gone to mid major level and played. Um, you know what I mean? So, I, that, but you know, you can't. There are no time machines, so you you just you know you live with with the experiences you've had. And luckily, my experience at Illinois was was a great one. So. Well, glad to hear it. Um, just I, one more question, too. Obviously, uh, you do host your own podcast now, the the Full 94. How did you kind of get into podcasting? And, and I see you also uh, started a website, too. Yeah, no, so we, with the, with the Full 94, what ended up happening was, you know, people had told me for a long time that, that I should have a podcast. And um, when I moved down to Austin, my fiance and I, um, you know, I didn't have the, the release that I typically had. You know, I, I always had a practice facility to go to and talk hoops. You know, whether I was at Illinois, you know, you're always talking hoops with your teammates or, um, you know, going into the offices. I spent a lot of time, I think, to the point where I think Gross and the staff and Coach Nagy and the staff at, at Wright State were like, dude, get this guy out of our office. Like, I was always in there because um, I just wanted to be around basketball and talk basketball. Uh, and even when I was at Wright State, after I finished playing, I still lived in Dayton for another two years. So uh, still had access to the practice facility and going in there and talking to those guys and talking hoops. And I think once I moved down to Austin, I didn't have that anymore. And, you know, when it comes to talking basketball, like, you know, I like to stack up my knowledge with, with the best of them and, and just like knowing the history of the game and dissecting the game. And I think this just kind of gave me an outlet for that. And, and I think more than anything, I just love great conversation. And I think having guests on and, and being able to ask questions that, that, you know, you know, that, that, uh, you know, formulate, you know, thought provoking conversations, that's kind of just, just kind of been my motto and, and what I wanted to accomplish with that. And, um, I've always wanted to do some sort of radio or I've done a little bit of broadcasting when I was at, when I was at Wright State, you know, I did some radio, for them when, when their color commentator was out. And I was just like that, that part of the game. And, and, uh, you know, I'm not sure the coaching route was necessarily for me and just from a lifestyle standpoint. Um, you know, but I love kind of having, you know, the, the game at arm's length and being able to kind of talk hoops whenever. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been a blast. Like you truly, you know, I think when you're doing something because you're passionate about it, um, you know, those are the things that you, that you, you know, have the most joy doing and uh so yeah man it's it's a it's it's been a blast and um you know obviously hoping to continue to to roll out some more episodes yeah absolutely and for our listeners to definitely check out uh the full 94 podcast uh you could check that out on apple Podcasts, correct yeah yeah apple spotify um 
you know, all, all the main platforms. Awesome. Well, thank you, Mike, for uh, coming on the uh, podcast. We really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Take care, guys. I want to thank Mike for coming on the podcast. Really enjoyed talking to him. We talked a little bit after the uh, interview as well, um, just about how he was doing as well and, and what he's been up to. But, uh, man, what a great guy. The one thing I will say is, you know, he talked a little bit about being, you know, a cockier player when he was younger and, and, and you know, he how he almost grew out of that by the time he was he was a senior. But by talking to him, you would have never thought that. Yeah, that, that's an interesting point. I think a lot of times, especially coming from high school to college, not even just for basketball players, but just for students, you go from being the top dog, you go from being all that to, you know, the small kid on campus once again. And I think um, it reminded me kind of Trent Frazier's situation. Um, obviously, he scored more points in those freshman years, but Underwood has talked a lot of times about how he likes coaching the Trent Frazier now more than he likes coaching the freshman Trent Frazier and that he's grown so much and matured so much not only as a player but as a human being that it makes coaching him so much easier so I think that's something that a lot of college coaches probably see and and don't talk about as much but for Mike and and Trent and for a lot of these guys to look back on and realize you know the maturity that they've been able to gain throughout their years in college I think that's first of all a good thing for them to realize, but also a tribute to these coaches. Yeah, like I said, he's a guy who you would never be able to tell his ego. And I know he's coaching the TBT team, but definitely a guy who might be coaching um, an NCAA team or you know um, being an assistant coach somewhere sometime soon. Even though he said he, he wasn't interested. Right. We'll definitely keep our eyes open to see if uh, he lands a gig in the NCAA in the soon future, but. It'll be definitely fun to watch him coach that TBT team whenever they get a chance to play. But for now, that'll do it for this episode of Oski Talk. For Patrick Hedazone, I'm Anthony Pasquale saying so long, ILL. I and I.